Hey everybody, thanks for tuning into this episode. I wanted to give a brief introduction to my guest as we got right into our conversation without doing much of an introduction. Uh, Michael Wallstrom, who is the owner of Gumi, as well as a merchant and designer of handmade bags and clothing in the Traverse City area, had me down to his shop and it was awesome. I mean, I walked down there and there is like a million different things going on, stuff strewn all over the place. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean that when I got there, the dude was elbow deep in some very creative and very unique projects. And it's definitely something that I can appreciate. So I was glad that he was able to take some time uh, and, and sit down and talk with me and explain exactly what his brand is about. And you'll hear exactly what he's sharing and why he is finding uh, inspiration and doing some of the things that he is um, based off what he's seeing in society, which I think is a, a really cool approach. Um, and also him and his wife, Leslie, are always out in the community supporting other entrepreneurs and people that are trying to make their own way off their creativity. And so that's something that I've taken notice of and definitely appreciate. And I was just glad that he allowed me in his space to talk to him and try to uh, pick his brain a little bit. And so I hope that you guys enjoy this episode and check out what they have going on. I'm going to link to everything in the show notes. As for now, here is the interview with Michael. All right, everybody, welcome to this episode of the Cold Shower Podcast. We're going to get right into it with Michael. Dude, what's going on? Hey, man, thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me down in your shop. This is a really cool spot. Um, definitely looks like a place where a lot of creativity and creation happens. Yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad that you know we picked uh, near the end of April here because uh, a couple months ago we'd be wearing our coats. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, dude, well, let's start right out. Just can you explain like what your company and your brand is all about and maybe how it started? Um, it's interesting too, because I, you know, I always look back at the beginnings of my company as a way to move forward. Um, and it's always great to kind of revisit the beginning and what the intentions were, um, to kind of like help kind of guide like where I'm going. Um, so I've seen, you know, it's, it's important for me too, to see the evolution of the brand. Um, and also to see, you know, um, how I've changed things and, and the direction and, and, um, whether it was intentional or unintentional, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I had a background, uh, my entire career has been in fashion and apparel, um, and living in New York city and going, um, to FIT out there, I had the opportunity to work for some of the best brands, um, product development, wholesale, doing some buying. Um, so I, I mean, that's really my career path, you know, um, even starting at a young age, I always, you know, I was the kid that always dressed myself and loved going back to school shopping and stuff like that. And But when I moved here, I kind of noticed that there was a little bit of a void for anything um, like that. Uh, I mean, there were a couple boutiques that sold some of the brands that um, I worked for or um, that I liked, you know, uh, that I liked to, to wear. Um, but other than that, there wasn't anything that I felt was, you know, like authentic and, and, uh, so immediately, like my my brain just kind of started like turning um, back then, and I always knew at some point I wanted to launch something um, uh, and maybe fill that void. Or if something kind of came up, I would you know reach out to the people and be like, "Hey, what you're doing is cool." So 
um, just kind of never really happened. Um, and so after I left um, a large brewing company doing all their merchandise, I was like, all right, you know what? Now's the time. You know, I'm, I want to I want to get this thing off the ground. And um, yeah, and immediately kind of just started brainstorming and putting things together so nice yeah so what is your um like the name of your company specifically and what what does it mean so actually it's interesting when i first launched the company it was just called superior okay and pretty early on i had um like legal counsel that told me like "Mm, you're gonna have a really hard time protecting this um something you actually might have people send you a letter, you know, I would explore a couple different things. Um, um, because the, the kind of like the phrase, the slogan was like, where superior. Um, and so I, I took the counsel <laughs> and mm-hmm. immediately kind of started thinking like, okay, well, how can I kind of do like a creative, you know, kind of rip on it and, and turn it into something even more authentic, something more unique. And, and, um, you know, most people that grew up in Michigan have a familiarity with the term Gichigumi. Um, myself, when, you know, studying and learning about the record of the Edmund Fitzgerald and the Gordon Lightfoot song popularity and stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought, well, wouldn't that be kind of like a cool tribute, um, you know, to give it an authentic name um, that also represents, you know, something so great and superior. Um, and, I, and I've always, you know, even as a child, like, you know, appreciating Lake Superior. I mean, my family, we'd, we'd take a trip up into the UP um, every winter for skiing and then also every summer too. So spending summers up there as a kid um, and I just was always in like awe of, you know, how you know beautiful it can be one day, but then the next day deadly, you know, and it just had this like double persona. Um, and I thought, wow, that'd be kind of a cool aesthetic to kind of replicate in a brand, something that could be soft and serene, but then also, you know, raw edgy and deadly and you know what i mean so kind of like trying to do that um was a kind of a, a big core of of the initial direction of the, of the mm-hmm. brand yeah yeah i'm always fascinated by the process not of just like naming but like you said like how things change so at one point you had when you first started this operation you know you had a direction that you wanted it to go like in mind mm-hmm. um and then you can now look back after being in operation for three years three years three years Mm -hmm. um and see well how have i changed and how have i stayed the same and so much of that can come from just simply like naming Mm -hmm. your thing yeah and so you'd said you draw inspiration from lake superior and i think naming it um like the way that you did probably always allows you and gives you the chance to like look back and be like but that's like always going to be what's represented yeah and and one of the coolest things that come out of it was you know because before i had any money to even have like my first label made um to identify my product i hand stitched five x's on everything and it was one x for each great lake and i stitched one x bigger for lake superior and that was just something i did to just represent my company without you know because i couldn't afford to buy like labels yet you know Mm -hmm. um and from that kind of came my logo and that is something that has stuck from the very first thing I ever made um, uh, into today. I mean, I don't hand stitch it on everything anymore um, just because I'm making a lot more pieces, but the five X's are definitely represented um, in my logo and, and on all my you know, pieces that I make. Yeah. yeah. When I first saw the five X's, 
I didn't know exactly what it meant. And then when I found out, I was like, that's genius. And it's such a cool. <laughs> I wouldn't go yeah. that far. That was just. I a, don't know. That's cool. It <laughs> was just, a, a, I guess, a pleasant accident. <laughs> yeah. Worked well, out. It's just really cool to to then know that the bigger X is for Lake Superior and just the connection that so many people in Michigan have to the Great Lakes and to be able to kind of like claim that connection mm -hmm. with your own design with the X's is awesome. Yeah, and I wanted it to be um, ambiguous enough that, you know, if you don't know, it's still okay. Like, you don't have to be. Um, and that was also a big part of, you know, not I don't want to say like I watered down or toned down the message of it a bit, but I noticed that I was kind of... Um, isolating myself from reaching other customers in other states um particularly like the west coast and east coast markets um that don't have any connection whatsoever to the state of michigan but love the designs that i was doing and things of that nature so it still holds true but i had to kind of be aware that i had customers all over now um versus you know trying to keep a, a small centrist mm -hmm. uh, mindset um so that was something that i learned early on and also too from the beginning i kind of you know, when you're just starting out and you're just kind of throwing things out there and seeing what sticks and seeing what works, um, I really noticed that I was kind of allowing the market to kind of dictate my direction versus what I wanted to do. And so, you know, after the first year, it was kind of like a real reflection saying, okay, well, it, am I set, you know, am I where I thought I was going to be in the direction I wanted to be in? And I noticed that I really wasn't. And so I was like, okay, well now, you know, how, how can I write the ship, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so then that took, you know, a lot of, you know, brainstorming, a lot of planning, going back to the drawing board, trying to figure out the things that I really wanted to do, the things I was passionate about um, versus kind of servicing, you know, the, the market, you know, and um, and that kind of helped me um, develop my first real collection, which was that Muted Romantics collection um, uh, last spring. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think we'll, we'll talk specifically about some of your different collections, just as you're talking about. Um, how things started out. I think it's interesting when you share the word like progress or direction. I mean, are they like related? I know for me, I've said in the past how it almost seems as though if I could just claim like one side or the other, it, the whole uh, idea of this podcast is that we kind of explore the middle ground of things. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you can get quite a following by being, you know, unabashedly right, unabashedly left. But I think it could be the same thing with fashion, too, where you can appease the the crowds, but it's not something that you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. So it's not really truly quality in your eyes. Is that true? Yeah. And I think it was, uh, you know, it wasn't it was more or less like I felt like I could do more, you know, and I, I was like, you know, am, am I really pushing in the direction that I really think it could go or be? Um, am I you know, putting my time and effort into, you know, looking at the different markets and trends and, 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 and identifying things that I really like. And, um, and also to a shift in demographics from an age standpoint, um, was a big part of it too. So, you know, being able to, you know, realize that, okay, you know, ABC are not working, but, you know, D and F are, and then, you know, maybe I'll take a little bit of A and a little bit of B, you know what I mean? So it's kind of that middle ground, you know, trying to tweak it and figure out kind of how, how to take that next step. I mean, I started with $250 and bought my first sewing machine and off Craigslist and a piece of leather and made like three handbags, sold them, you know, to friends and family, bought it, you know, some more leather, 
sold some more bags of you know friends and family bought another sewing machine and it just kind of like that's that's how the evolution's been it's just been you know a very slow bootstrap kind of like okay you know make a couple things get some feedback and then okay you know do what's working and what's not working so um i mean if i were to go back and write a you know uh, like a draw a line on a map to show it would it would look crazy right. <laughs> it wouldn't make any sense whatsoever i mean I, you, I don't think you could chart the course that i took <laughs> yeah it's not like a straight line no. any, any direction no no it's all over <laughs> what was it did you get any like weird reactions when um you were like up and coming in the sense of like yeah i want to go into fashion like was that was that weird for you and the way people might have reacted to that like that oh well that's just that's more of like a hobby was there any of that or was everybody i don't know what your family's like were they all on board with your idea of yeah i mean you know i've always grown up in like the creative arts field so i was in you know dance and you know performance and stuff like that i did magic when i was a kid Mm -hmm. and i was always you know drawing all the time i did like cartooning work and things of that nature so i was always creative um I think I, I associate that to being like a left-handed and be super dyslexic. Okay. Um, and cause I was terrible in school. Um, I mean, I've, I've been, I was in summer school since I was in like seventh grade like barely past eighth grade. You know what yeah. I mean? They didn't have programs for like trying to like develop, you know, minds around dyslexia and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so it was really challenging. So I kind of was like always anti-establishment in that regard. So I kind of found like performance and, and uh, art as a way to kind of, tap into that creativity um so I, I think i didn't realize that fashion was a career per se until you know right after you know high school um you know when you're kind of picking things i went to michigan state for a year and didn't you know it wasn't for me you know and i kind of was like oh okay so i don't you know i don't want i don't i don't want to make a career out of like performance and, and art and things of that nature but um it really took you know, getting recruited to work at Abercrombie and working in a in a retail environment like that, that, you know, I kind of started understanding the economics of the apparel industry. Um, so from that point on, like the store that I worked at was like one of the top stores in the country and the home office used it as a test store. So, you know, 10 months out of the year, we had merchandise that no other store had. So they would send in a crew from home office with specialized merchandise just for our store and we would set it all up, merchandise it, display it, and then they would watch sell-throughs for, you know, two, three days. And then we'd come back in and re-merchandise it. Now, I was just being the lackey that worked over, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that was doing the work. But talking to the people from home office and stuff, I understood, like, wow, this is really something. So you can position product near other product in a certain space, and it sells better than it would somewhere else. So kind of starting to understand, like, merchandising and the business of it. Um, is really what got me interested in it. And that's when I kind of started researching um, after working there and at American Eagle. I was like, okay, I want to, I, I, I'm done with retail, like, but I want to work on the other end. And so mm-hmm. how do I get that job? Like, how do I, how do I get that training? And then I found FIT. And, um, and that's like a whole other story because that's a process, you know, to get into that school and stuff. So, but yeah, so, I mean, I think that was kind of the, I, I just was, so amazed by the the science of it more than the art of it um and um that was you know because i i have both sides of the brain you know i have the business acumen and um but then i also have the design side and stuff like that so it's this weird relationship um internally that i have that it i don't i don't know if it 
makes sense, but you know, I, I feel like it's both left and right brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that's cool. And it, you just said like at one point you were just serving as the lackey, and so um, you know, yeah. be, being told what to do. <laughs> yeah. But uh, for a lot of people, that might have been the end of the road in the sense like, you know, I this isn't my favorite thing to be doing. I'm just placing these products. But if you're willing to converse with the people above you and learn from them and actually dig a little bit deeper then it can lead you probably to more where you are now. Yeah, and that was like, you know, I used the word lackey, but they were, you know, they were a really cool group of people and they were open with sharing every bit of information and, and you know, talking through the process and things like that. So it was definitely like, you know, I was filled with questions and, you know, they provided, you know, the answers and input and stuff like that. And, you know, that, that helped me in my, you know, immediate career path move when I joined American Eagle because I could take all of that training that I learned at a company that really kind of wanted to emulate that success of what Abercrombie had going on at the time. Like American Eagle was not, you know, quote unquote cool or they weren't performing in retail like, you know, your Abercrombies or mm-hmm. Hollisters were doing. And so having that training um, really kind of helped um, us at that lo- store location become like the number one store in the country. Okay. Um, so, and we really transformed it and, you know, meeting the president and stuff like that and him, you know, awarding us and things of that nature was really, you know, you felt like, okay, I'm, you know, so what I've learned, I think I'm good at this, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that was kind of like a big push too. Okay. Yeah. You were getting reaffirmation like along the way. Yeah. That's interesting because so many of the people that I have conversations with are very creative types or entrepreneurs. And I think I've tended to see that the creativity has come first with a lot of people. And that's Mm -hmm. like what you said as a kid, but uh, I hear less about the business side. That seems to be more of like the necessary evil. Mm -hmm. That's a byproduct of trying to sell or um, promote the creative side. So whether that's an artist or writer or whatever. Um, But for you, it seems like that was almost on the front end. Yeah. And I think, and it's interesting that you say that too, because that's, that wasn't even just a, you know, a, a fluke because, um, you know, I graduated from the top of my class at FIT, and it, FIT even realized, and it wasn't just the Fashion Institute, it was also Parsons, it was also Fitum and stuff like that. They understood around the mid-2000s during exit interviews and stuff like that, the one thing that they weren't teaching or that they weren't reaching the students on was the business level. And so they were graduating these designers and stuff, but they'd get out there and they have no idea how to start a business. They have no, they don't know anything about business as a whole. They don't know how to file for an LLC or anything like that. And so uh, FIT was one of the first universities that kind of acknowledged it and then made publicly open like changes to the the curriculum. And I think the reason I was so successful there is because I kind of had that going into it. And so among my peers, um, they were coming at it from a different direction. Um, and I, and I think that kind of allowed me to kind of rise to the surface a little bit more, plus like firsthand experience, um, you know, enrolling there when I was 20, 21 versus coming in at 18 or 17, you know what I mean? So, I mean, there was a lot of that too, but, um, and then working in the industry throughout my entire, you know, college, um, time you know i think helped too because you're getting it firsthand and then you're implementing you know you know you're learning about it in classroom and then you're automatically like the next day at work you know you're 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 doing it so i think that helped too but since then the universities have now you know restructured and then they're focusing on that business that um side of of the industry because it was kind of being 
you know, a second, you know, a second hand type, you know, yeah. approach. So, yeah. Um, do you think like, I don't know, you probably wouldn't know a percentage or if, if you could even figure that out, but like most people that come from FIT, are they going and working for other people or are they starting their own thing? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't personally know offhand if there's a stat out there that does it. I'm, I'm positive that everyone that graduates from there will have a place, whether it's, you know, I mean, at, at a big box retailer or something, um, or, or like their own design. I mean, so the, the, the college that I was in at the school, they had two, they had the, they had the, the fine arts college and then they had the, the business college. And so I was in the business college. Um, and so there's overlapping of like fashion design classes and illustration classes and stuff that I had to take. And similarly, they had to come and take some of the business classes and stuff like that. And some of the marketing and things that go into it as well. But, um, as far as the graduation of, the design fashion design students um i know a couple that um i still am friends with on like social media and they're killing it you know mm -hmm. like um um so you know you have to be extremely talented to get in in the first place especially from a from if you're a fashion design major um okay that ultimately like you you're already good i mean you're already good mm -hmm. they just fine-tune really it's oh, not okay. you, you it's not somewhere like oh this is something i want to go into um it's like you're amazing already you know what i mean they're just fine-tuning you and they're they're teaching you um you know the industry uh, versus just like wow you have raw talent you know but let's let's fine-tune it so mm -hmm. yeah so I, I think i think that's kind of hard to say because it's such a unique school and that it's you know there's not a lot of, it's not a large student population and stuff and they're very very um, picky about who they let in and yeah so yeah no that's cool that you got in then yeah yeah well again i wasn't in the design school you know that's right. the you know that's the creme of the creme but okay. um but yeah i mean that's not that the business isn't either but um and shout out to fit anyway because they just got number one fashion school in the world yeah i, saw that you sh I think yeah. i saw that you shared that yeah oh that's awesome yeah parsons usually is number one but they're not a public school they're, okay they're a private school so it's super expensive to go yeah. there and yeah so um so i'm always fascinated by people that are in the creative space and the business space, like what percent of your time or how much of your time is spent just kind of like in your own head thinking of the next thing, whether that's business or like the next product versus like actually sitting down and, and doing it? Yeah, um, that's actually a great question because you know, when I'm here, I have a tendency to make sure that I'm, you know, constantly behind a sewing machine and working and, you know, getting things done. Um, I always have kind of like a list of things that, you know, whether it's, I'm sold out of something or, and I need to like replenish it or come up with something new or, or not actually come up with something new. This is during the daytime is really when I'm like executing, um, in the morning from like five thirty until eight thirty, like I'm on my phone on Instagram, looking at, you know, reading business publications and things that nature, like making sure that I'm on the up and up with what's going on. Um, and that's a lot where, you know, I have, you know, my, inspiration boards and you know and and stuff like that where if i see something that i like you know immediately I, I can bookmark it and save it for later and things like that and start kind of like putting ideas together in those in those digital spaces um and then i do that too like uh after i i leave here i kind of like but it's also you know you have to wear so many hats because then it's like oh i need to at the end of the month i need to do all my paperwork for my tax you know for my yeah. taxes i need to do all my financing stuff you know or 
you know, I need to schedule a photo shoot. So, you know, I go out and I actually do the, you know, photo shoots and take the pictures. Then I got to edit them and then I got to put, you know, put together the marketing strategy and how I'm going to roll out. You know what I mean? So it's like wearing so many hats. Um, It's easy to just stay busy. (laughs) Right. Okay. So you like focus a lot on maybe like, I I guess I I do the same thing in the mornings, like what I would consider personal development. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's where you're gleaning maybe ideas from. And then in the middle of the day is where you're actually like putting in like the actual physical work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And this space is such like a, it's an infectious making kind of environment. So you constantly want to be, you know, doing things. And like I was showing you the exterior sign that I'm working on, you know, I, I should have just gone to a company and paid them to make me yeah. some, but there's just something about me that I just can't do it. You know right. what I mean? I'll go to Home Depot, pick up a piece of plywood, cut it, paint it, you know what I mean? And, and make it myself. That's just kind of who I am, but yeah. it's probably not the best way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's wearing those hats yeah. and some of them are fun to wear. Like, you know, there's other ones that you're like, oh, I got to put this hat on again. Yeah. I wish I had someone hired to like do this for me, but I mean, it's all part of it. Yeah. Um, do you ever worry it seems like you draw a lot of inspiration or get your ideas from what's happening like in society. Is mm-hmm. that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely, you know, politics, pop culture, um, you know, any kind of like um, social climates and things of that nature, I'm always attuned to. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So do, do you think that ensures you to like always have like the next thing, you know, up and coming? Um, you're not running out of material in a sense, like there's always something that could be fueling your creative process. Yeah. And, and the cool thing is too, about, you know, being the manufacturer, um, myself where I don't have to confine to the norms of the product life cycle where you begin development, you know, 16 months out, you know, because you need to, you know, look at, you know, where things are going to be in 16 to 18 months ahead of time. Um, and then start building on your collection, showing it, and then, you know, making your samples, showing it at wholesale, and then going to production for six to eight months, depending on where you're having your items produced. So I'm, you know, so reactionary that I'm, you know, so lean in that I can move super fast um, um, to to the market and, and be able to adapt. And all the materials I get from the leather to the hardware, um, it all comes from the United States. So I, you know, if I go to one of my tanneries or, or something and say, Hey, you know, I need to get X amount of this color of leather or something like that. I can have it in a week. Um, mm-hmm. so that's cool. Um, so it, it's different in the way that it used to be done and the way that it still is being done actually in a lot of cases, but, um, I, it's not scalable to a certain extent. So if I were to get bigger and bigger, I wouldn't be able to do this type of model. Um, yeah. but until it happens, right. <laughs> yeah. So, then let's talk about some of the collections. So can you explain like how a collection even works to someone who maybe is used to going to a big box store and you know, that's what's on the the racks this month, maybe, or this season, Mm -hmm. and then it might change for the next season. But what's like a collection? Usually it starts with something pissing me off, to be honest with you. Like, yeah, like just something just irritates the shit out of me. That's how this podcast started. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, it's a good place to, to, you know, to fuel up everyone. You know, I wouldn't say like use it as your primary (laughs) source of fuel, but, you know, it's a a good place. But, you know, it it really just kind of comes when I look at, you know, again, whether it's a social injustice, um, you know, the mutant romantics collection was, you know, I felt like, I felt like society is not pushing, um, 
LGBT equality fast mm-hmm. enough, you know, and other people would say it's happened so fast, but, you know, being in New York and, you know, growing up in, in, you know, musical theater and performance and dance and ballet and stuff like I, it's never been, you know, in my family, uh, you know, I, I look at it as like, it's a complete, so moving back to Michigan, I was so blown away by like how uninviting it still was in parts of the state. And I was, so the muted romantics was kind of like, Anybody who feels that, you know, they can't um, celebrate who they are um, and they feel like they're, you know, they have to be muted. Uh, okay. The muted romantics was kind of like anybody, any uh, oppressed individual that felt that they couldn't express, you know, affection because of societal norms. Like that was kind of the muted romantics. Um, so that was kind of the basis of that. And I pulled in cues from, you know, the, the normal things that you'd see in spring, you know, the wildflower, wildflowers, it was very, it was muted, like romantic tones of color and things of that nature. Um, but that was kind of the core message behind that collection. Um, and it just kind of started with like, this is ridiculous. All right. Okay. <laughs> you know, like what yeah. the hell is going on? So yeah. how many collections have you had so far? Um, well, five, five, or, five or six. Okay. Yeah. But um, the medium romantics was the first one that I was like, I identified it like this is a message. This is, you know, everything, you know, merchandises well together. There's a story behind it. Here's the core. Um, and then that allowed me to really transition into the summer with the matriarch. Um, and that's again, that's one of those like self, you know, <laughs> you know, like it's ridiculous that we don't have like you know, more women in power, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, the, we could definitely use a whole lot of that. And so, you know, saying like, you know, the matriarch was like, you know, obviously it's the matriarch is, you know, the woman is the head of the family. Yeah. And as we know, we don't live in a, you know, and especially in politics. So that was kind of the message behind that, like, you know, embracing and celebrating the movement that's happening um, in, you know, women, you know, equality and also in you know politics and things of that nature. Um, so that allowed me to kind of like uh, build a collection around that idea. Um, and it was like, it's probably my second favorite collection I've done. Okay. Yeah. From ex- with the exception of the off the rails, I think it's my favorite, but, but yeah, I just had a lot of fun with it. It was like really cool pieces and, and the vibe was just like badass, you know? Mm-hmm. It, and, um, uh, yeah, I really liked it. No, that's, yeah, that's really cool that I didn't, I knew they, each collection represented something, but I guess I didn't know exactly what they were. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really cool to see someone that's like approaching these pretty heavy topics, topics where a lot of people have taken one side or the other. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so you'll probably have people that are just totally like for you. They're going to really support that. And then there's other people that are just like, well, I'm never going to buy what he's selling. Yeah. And and it's great. And I've actually had that happen. I mean, I did a, a T-shirt that was kind of like an anti Trump t-shirt mm-hmm. and loved it but I had people come in and they were like oh my gosh this place is so amazing oh I love this whatever and then they saw it and they're like oh that's a shame and then they storm out yeah you know and my opinion is like I don't want you as my customer right. you know and so I don't really wrestle with that you know be careful because you don't want to be too political or you don't want to you know do these taboo conversation topics and stuff because you might you know you might isolate potential customers and my opinion is like I don't even want those customers mm-hmm. so um, I, I don't, I don't really wrestle with that. So it's never been something that would, d- you know, deter me from, oh, this might be a little too much. Right. You know, I, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Have you, have you ever had anybody, like, obviously there's those people that probably see that stuff and just storm out, not giving you a chance to like 
explain that view that yeah. you just explained. <laughs> um, but have you had any any people that are just like, well, why'd you do that? Or, or actually ask, like, what's going on? Or most people just making a judgment and then moving along? Yeah, I, I mean, I've never had to explain myself, I don't mm-hmm. think. Um, I, I can't recall, um, you know. But I'll tell you this, I had way more people laugh their asses off at it, you mm-hmm. know, than storm out. So, right. and, you know, so I tend to focus more on that anyway. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what if uh, you said the Off the Rails collection is one of your favorite, or is your favorite yeah, one? Yeah, yeah. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I'm, um, it was kind of a, a culmination of all of these collections kind of put together, you know, the Injustice and all these other things. And then I just feel as a whole, like, everything's kind of just, like, on that tipping point. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like we're all just walking on the edge of a, you know, of a knife. And, and I thought, okay, well, how can, you know, how can I embrace that and like not make fun of it but you know just you know uh acknowledge it but then you know kind of try to move past it and and off the rails was also the first collection um that i did that was um entirely like all women's you know so i used to do some men's stuff here and there Mm -hmm. and then there's like still some stuff i do that's unisex um but like fully be like okay you know this is an all women's collection um allowed me to do a lot more um because i'm not splitting between like oh i gotta make sure i have so many things for men's and so many things for for women's and so um that was also why i was able to kind of do a fashion show you know my wife was like you know we're this is a big collection you know you know you could actually outfit you know a runway of you know 12 to 24 looks you know depending on you know how much you actually do and Mm -hmm. You know, and she's like, I think we should really do it. And um, so that was a kind of a cool, like, part of the collection to be able to showcase it in its entirety. Like, that was really cool. Yeah, it was awesome to have the actual fashion show and then be able to go to that and see. I think you were well aware that it was something that probably isn't typical here in Traverse City. And so, obviously, everything about your brand is just, like, embracing, you know, I think what's different. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was another, I think example of that sure yeah um do you plan to do more of those in the future like was the response pretty good or? yeah i mean yeah. it was really i mean i had people like the next day saying when's the next one right. you know and i'm like Oof, you know yeah. <laughs> i gotta take a pause here for a second because um it's a lot of work you know and uh plus you need to focus on you know the the business side of the business um you know i love doing you know the show and producing my first fashion show it was incredible and it's a I, it's a i'm just, still amazed by like we did it without any issue there was no hiccup i mean we had a couple models that we had to like replace real quick at the last minute because some emergencies came up but um leslie was you know on top of all that she um casted the whole show and she you know took care of all that so that was kind of off my plate so um she kind of had to deal with the stress of that more than i did Mm -hmm. but um but yeah i mean it went off great and had great response so i definitely we're gonna definitely do stuff um in the future it might not be a show in that way i think something a little bit more interactive um and bringing in other artists and things and kind of doing a a larger show you know exhibit i think um that would be like my goal to do something like that which i think would be taking another step further you know yeah yeah no that's cool we'll talk about leslie a little bit um and kind of explain like what her role has been in the business and stuff like that yeah, I mean, she's um, she's obviously everything. Uh, it's it's interesting because she was living on the West Coast, uh, and she was modeling um, in L.A., and I was on the East Coast, and I was um, <clears throat> booked to go to Europe uh, for work, 
And last minute they said, oh, you, there's a, there's a uh, client that, you know, we're doing something special with in New York and that's where my home base was. They're like, so you have to be there for it. And I was like, oh, great. Yeah. So I'm not going to Europe. Fine. So they sent the LA team to in my place over in Europe. And then they were like, oh, well, there's something in the on the West Coast that you have to kind of go and fill in for them. And I'm like, oh, I hated L.A. And I was like, man, I don't want to <laughs> go over there. But they're like, no, you're, you're going. So I went over there and Leslie was one of our models. Mm-hmm. And like we uh, after the show, we all went out to eat and hung out and stuff like that. And we just like hit it off. And um, and she wasn't even supposed to be booked for the company, working for my company. Like, she had to switch a job last minute. So, like, we both weren't supposed to be out there. Yeah. And uh, that was, you know, 14 years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, she moved to New York shortly, maybe like five, six months later with her friend. Um, and they wanted to break into the New York um, model market and stuff like that. So, um, the three of us all lived together for, like, three and a half years. It was oh, great. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It was funny. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, she's she has every bit of this in her as much as I, you know what I mean? Like she, you know, this is in her DNA as well. Um, and she's worked for some incredible designers. Um, so she's been around, you know, to a certain extent, a lot more from that side of the business than I have. Um, so her input is everything. Um, um, so anytime that we're developing something new or something, um, you know, I ultimately run everything kind of by her. Um, um, but she's, you know, you know, she's also the one that wear, gets to wear the prototypes and stuff. And, yeah. you know, comes, bad yeah, comes home and she's like, I got three compliments on my bag today. Right. <laughs> I'm like, OK, well, that's good. Maybe we should, you know, <laughs> do that Make design. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she wears all the hats here, too. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah, yeah I couldn't do it without her. Yeah, it's always cool to, <clears throat> I guess, get a sense of when when couples are in on a project together, like how they make that work. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the. Because I think I see it quite a bit where it might just simply not be possible without the other person. I'm interviewing another couple after this where it's a pretty stressful environment sometimes owning a business and being responsible for the success of it. Like if it doesn't work, it's your fault. You know, you were wearing all the hats. Right. Um, And to have to rely on, you know, someone that you're also in a relationship with and that you love. Um, is unique too because you also have to make sure that relationship continues and that that works out okay too. Yeah, and it's you know I, I guess a good analogy would be like, you know, because we don't have any kids. I mean, I would say that Gitchagumi is kind of our kid, mm-hmm. and I'm the stay at home dad. Okay, you know what I mean because she, you know, she's she works full time. She, you know, she's got a great job and a great career, and and she loves what she does professionally. So you know, she kind of like you know, looks at it too, where she kind of gets off work and she gets to kind of like switch gears a little bit too, and you know, come to the shop and. And, uh, you know, we talk obviously about, you know, the company, you know, it's the topic of the conversation. So it's kind of like our, you know, we've got our dogs and then Gitchagumi is the third child, I guess. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, how much, speaking specifically to the relationship and then with the business in the middle of that too, how often do you guys have to like encourage one another or where one is maybe down on what took place in the business and so the other one picks them up? Does that happen? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think just like any good support system, I mean, um, you know, we definitely, and it, it's more than that too because um, we're able to be critical of one, you know, without it being personal. It's weird, you know what I mean? Where, you know, I I think maybe because we've just been together for so long, like we know what helps each other. And so that's how we kind of like push each other. And, mm-hmm. um, and so, yeah, I mean, th- there are tons of times where, 
you know, I'll do, I'll make something and she'll look at it and she'll be like, well, who on earth is, who, who are you going to sell that to? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, but look, 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 you know, it's, it's, you know, I've, I've been seeing this kind of, you know, popping up and, and this, that she's like, no, let's go buy that. Just, right. just stop. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, and it gets me to kind of like, kind of get off my, uh, my hype a little bit. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I was a little hype blinded a little bit and maybe that's not a smart, like move. You know, she kind of keeps me grounded on that mass market kind of approach where, you know, I want to design for like six people mm-hmm. and, you know, and she helps me kind of be like, well, you know, <laughs> going to have to design for a few more people than that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That is something that's even taken place with what I have going on where I think I have this great idea and then my wife will kind of bring me back down to earth a little bit <laughs> yeah. and you get pissed at first. You're kind of like, I just, they don't know they're, yeah, they're yeah. wrong about this <laughs> yeah. one. And then as you kind of let it sit for a little while, you're like, actually, I'm yeah. kind of glad they said that yeah. and that they're not just catering to, to my ideas too, because yeah, yeah it would, it, the, you'd be missing out on some things. Yeah. Shout outs to wives. Yeah, exactly. I, I recommend them. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Well, like what's, what's planning or what's next? Or well, where are you drawing inspiration from, or hasn't it hit yet? Yeah, I, I mean, I have some ideas for my fall collection. Um, it's just in terms of of texture and color. Um, that's kind of where I start because I don't want to start, you know, um, shaping around it around an identity. If I I'm not going to create one for it, and it usually comes to me um, when it does. But I do, you know, from a material standpoint, from an aesthetic standpoint, I do start thinking about you know shapes and and you know and textiles and, and textures and colors and what kind of palette, you know, overall do I want to go into? Um, so that kind of, that has already started. Um, but, um, summer's a great season, obviously in Traverse city. So, you know, I look to it as another opportunity to introduce the brand to more people. Um, cause every time, you know, someone comes in the store and they see the brand for the first time, um, it's great that, you know, they follow me on Instagram then after that, and then they, you know, comment on, stuff that I make or, um, you know, maybe they, they make a purchase online, you know what I mean? So it's like building these relationships with the, 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 the people I get to meet that come into my store. Um, and they tend to remember me because it's like, Oh, it's the guy that, you know I mean? It's not the cashier or something, you know, it's yeah. just, it's just me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so I look forward to like continuing to building like more relationships with, with my customers, you know, um, making, you know, new connections with new people, um, doing some really cool collabs. Um, last year I did a, a collab with um, Up North Pride, and this year we're gonna do something even cooler. Okay. Um, so um, that'll be nice because um, uh, that's just like one of my favorite organizations. I mean, there's so many great ones, but like you know, I think what Up North Pride does and has done, you know, uh, is incredible. Um, and then doing maybe another uh, some sort of exhibit. Um, in high summer, like something fun that's more of a party, I think, but also, you know, p- pulling in some music and, you know, I, I like to, as you saw from like off the rails, I, I like, you know, having like art and music m- intermixed with what I'm, what I'm doing. Um, I think it's important and, and I love collaborating with other artists and things of that nature. So um, there's definitely going to be more of that um, because I just feel like it kind of like, it's like bringing in a bunch of like creative forces into one space, it really, um, I think delivers a pretty powerful message. Um, so there's a lot of that. Um, and yeah, and then just seeing how, you know, retail goes through, you know, cause I do have to look at the, at, you know, 
the business side of things, you know what I mean? Making sure that everything's on the up and up and, um, you know, we're, we've been, you know, researching, investigating, like getting a storage unit, like a shipping container and converting it into like a mobile store, um, that allow me to kind of like reach more people and be mobile and things of like where I can pop up essentially. Um, and, and whether it's at a, an event or at a skate park or what, you know, whatever it may be like, but being able to be present, um, if there's something cool going on, like I want to be there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I usually end with that in the sense of what can people expect, but I also, before we go, I want to like, I guess paint people a little bit more of an accurate picture of like what you have going on, because I don't think they can get that sense (laughs) just listening. Like I'm looking at obviously the bags that you have. So you'd mentioned like textures and, Mm -hmm. and kind of just combining a lot of things. Um, but even the shirt that you're wearing, like there's word placement in places that you just don't see word placement on shirts very often. Right. So I don't know, run somebody through like a listener through like what a bag looks like that you produce and why it's different than other people. Um, well, I mean, there's only so many ways you can cut a cake, you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, there's only so many ways you can make handbags. So, I mean, I, I'm able to look at a garment or look at a handbag and look at it and know exactly how they made it. You know I mean? That's just my training and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it essentially starts with a sketch. Um, and that's usually based off of maybe a couple pictures that I've kind of like thrown together in like a, you know, a pool, like, okay, this type of aesthetic. And then, uh, it starts with a sketch and then I start thinking about measurements. Um, and because that plays, you know, the way you seam and the way you fold the way that, you know, um, you are putting the bag together, you need to know math, obviously, because <laughs> it's just like, uh, otherwise it's going to come out wrong um so yeah then you have to kind of get that technical design um part done um uh which a lot of times that's also in the trial and error period so i'll use a a canvas or something uh um um, you know a a cheaper material to make like prototypes with um especially if it's something new that i'm doing because you you never want to just go you know and you'd waste so much material and It'd be pretty cost ineffective. Um, so yeah, so there's a there's a lot of that, and that, and I'm not particularly fond of doing that kind of stuff either. But you know, because it's not as creative, it's more problem solving. It's more like critical, you know, you know, critical thinking and you know, yeah. figuring it. But um, but then once you do that, and then also you have to take in consideration that you know all materials, whether it's leather or vinyl or whatever, um, you know, molds in a different way, whether it's a thickness or whatever. So. Um, you have your constraints from your material standpoint. Like there might be a, uh, you know, a handbag design that I have, but if I, I need the right leather for it because, you know, if I use, you can't just use any old one cause it wouldn't work cause it might be too tight in a corner. And if it's hmm. too thick, it wouldn't come out right. So there's a lot of that that goes into the planning too. You have to make sure that whatever your design and your pattern is, you have material that will work with it. Um, and, uh, and yeah. And so it's a lot of, um, you know, trial and error too. Um, a lot of playing around with things. Like I recently made a, a couple of bags, um, and I can show you later. But it's a, it's a crocodile embossed leather, um, which, you know, crocodile print is huge right now. Mm-hmm. And so I have a ton of this uh, leather, um, but it's kind of like it's you know it's bright yellow and it's kind of like oh, okay it's it's pretty loud you know what I mean. And then it's but you can't tone it down. So instead I splash black paint all over it okay you know what i mean and it and it just finished it perfectly because it's like oh okay it was kind of missing something or maybe it was a little off and then you just make one little final tweak to it and you're like boom like that did it that's cool um so there's a lot of that too or you know 
but it crosses your mind once you finish a couple of these bags and you're like, am I really about to throw <laughs> leather dye all over this effect right now? Because if it doesn't look good, then, you know, you're kind of, yeah, jumping off that cliff, but ended up working out, but sometimes it doesn't. Right. Um, which is why I do the sample sales every year. Um, okay. Yeah. So, like, I, I accumulate all sorts of stuff throughout the year and I just set it aside, just set it aside. And, and I reference back to it throughout the year and stuff like that too. But it's nice to be able to kind of open up the back doors of the shop and let people, you know, purchase those things at like a really great price. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, as we uh, get out of here, where can people find out more about what you do? So website, Instagram, all that stuff. Yeah. Instagram, it's just uh, Gitchigumiko. Um, my website is gitchigumi.co or you can go to wearsuperior.com. Um, and, uh, yeah. And I don't always have everything for sale on my website that I make, um, just because I make things in such small quantities. The only thing that I put on my website are things that I'm like, I usually have like four or more of okay. from an inventory standpoint. Uh, otherwise it's like, if I only made like two or three of something, I won't typically won't put it on the website just cause you know, it's kind of a bit of a hassle. And, mm -hmm. Um, so like Instagram is really where I, I, kind of try to tune people into because if they see something on an Instagram that's not like on my website, they can always just DM and, and just say, Hey, like, I'd like to buy that. Like, you know, if they're not from around here, obviously. Okay. But, um, but yeah, that's typically where I post like all the stuff that, that I'm working on. Um, but yeah. And if there's any of your listeners that want to collaborate on anything like that, I'm like, I'm open to like any creatives or, or just cool people, you know, that, you know, like what we're doing and, you know, could take interest in what we're doing. So yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah, man. Well, thank you so much for having me down here. This is a great space and I'll um, link to the website as well as the Instagram page too. So you don't have to worry about figuring out how to spell Gitchy Gumi. <laughs> right. You'll become familiar with it after you follow him on Instagram. But again, man, thanks for coming. This is really interesting to kind of learn about what you got going on. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Thanks. Yeah, of course. All right, everybody. Bye-bye. <laughs>